Hey, Faith Promise, C3 Global is a ministry that we support, and because you give, just one of the many things that we do is a retreat every year for military families who have lost loved ones uh, in, in the most recent uh, deal, Afghanistan, Iraq, and so we do that among so many other things, and we want to let you know, in lieu of uh, Memorial Day weekend, just again, part of what we do, and so man, thank you for your support, you guys give so faithfully. It's great to see you, <clears throat> excuse me, all of Faith Promise at all of our campuses, wherever you're worshiping, North Knoxville or Blount County or Anderson County, Campbell County, Internet or Pellissippi Campus, we are thrilled that you chose to worship this Memorial Day weekend and we want to remember our heroes. So at all of our campuses, if you are a vet in any of the branch of the armed service, would you just stand right now at all of our campuses, go ahead, everywhere, come on guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you. At all of our campuses, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to show you a, a picture uh, of one of our guys who is, that is in Afghanistan. You check out that screen on that, on that helicopter. Hey, Faith Promise is around the world, baby. Look at that. Is that awesome? And so, Pete. We know you're watching online. We're praying for you. We're trying to take care of Melissa. And, man, we're thank you for what you do. And we know you're over there worshiping with us. And, man, be safe and come back. And, and uh, we can't wait for you guys to get back. We're just thank you for your support and all of your friends, all of the soldiers that are fighting with you. Man, we are grateful. Uh, Pete and Melissa are in the Kramer small group. And, again, Faith Promised Around the World. I saw that silky uh, showed me that last weekend. I said, send me, I got to have that, man. We have just got to see that. And so it's amazing. Well, I want to clarify a statement that I made last weekend and make sure that, that we're all clear because I always want to be very precise, especially when dealing with money. Something I mentioned last weekend that we have borrowed money and part of how we've expanded Pellissippi campus, we've done part of it cash, but we've, we've done part of it in building. And I said, all of the campuses that we launched, we paid cash for, which is true. When we acquired the two LifePoint campuses, Campbell County and Anderson County, when we acquired them, we, we started that church 12 years ago, and they came back and said, hey, we want back in the fold. We, when we got those two campuses, Anderson County had a $450,000 uh, debt with it. When we got them, we acquired that debt back. And so whenever it comes to finances, I want to be very, very, very clear because we're raw and real here at Faith Promise, and we, we always want to make sure that you get it. Now, Anderson County campus, uh, we again, when we got them, there was $450,000 worth of debt with that campus and as they built that, and about it, it uh, just appraised for about a million dollars. Today, Faith Promise has $25 million in, in our facilities in all of our campuses, and we have about $15 million in debt, and uh, we are in the absolute best financial shape our church has ever been in. And so we are grateful to God. We're grateful to you, those of you who are faithful financially. Amen. So just want to let you know, because the executive team, all the staff, and the leadership team, we try very, very hard 
to be very, very diligent to steward all the resources that God has given us. That's money, that's people, that's facilities, that's the gospel, all he's given us. And so we just finished an audit. We do an audit every year. It'll be on our website, on the financial part. You can go to it. We've got an absolutely clean, clean deal. You can see that. It'll, again, it'll be up in the next week or two. Just want to let you know. Uh, now, I want to mention money for a minute. But before I do, I want to say something. Uh, we've got almost three months and never mentioned money. We never mention an offering. We don't take them. Never mention offering. Never mention money. It's amazing how you could talk about money for 30 seconds and people say, that's all he talks about is money. Every time I go to that church, he talks about money. No, you have a stronghold about money, so when it's mentioned, it bothers you. Are you with me? So we went almost three months. We were building up, getting ready for Easter. So we didn't talk about money. They went to Easter, 12,750 people, 289 baptisms. Then we built up to Mother's Day, had Mother's Day. And so we didn't mention money for weeks and weeks. And so, you know, every now and then I got to bring it back and talk about it because we're moving toward the vision in this decade of reaching 10,000 people for the Lord. Now, part of the reason I brought that up last week is because this. We have funded part of our growth as a church by borrowing money to expand Pellissippi. So we have funded part of our vision through debt. Now we're trying not to borrow any more money, and we're aggressively now trying to pay debt down. Now we need to, uh, we need to increase the size of all of our other campuses while we're paying off debt, and we are growing. So that puts us in a quandary because we've never tried to do that before. So I bring it up, let you know what's going on. Now, can God provide? Yes. Are y'all sure God can provide? Yes. Now, how does God provide? Do pennies fall from heaven? No, God gives to you, give it back to him. It's just a simple deal. Now, let me, uh, uh, everything's good. Let me, tell you the, let me tell you what bothers me. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. You're not ready. This is the deal. In the last year, we've grown by 25%. We're running about 1,000 or more people every weekend than we ran the same weekend last year. That's how we go weekend this weekend over the same weekend last year. And so we look at that. We have about 1,000 new people, almost 25%. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you ready? If we were to grow by 25%, would it be logical to think, the, the attendance grew by 25%, so that means that the giving grew by almost 25%. Would that make sense? Well, it makes sense to me. But, but in the last year, and as the attendance has increased by 25%, you know what our offerings have increased? Can you all see that? What is that number? Three. Is that good? No. And so, let me tell you, I got saved at 22. I did not grow up in church. Did, man, was, you know, did, I, didn't, I didn't learn the Bible in Sunday school and VBS and all that kind of stuff. But the, I, listen, the, when I got saved, I immediately began to tithe. Day one tithe, never fell below 10%. We're now above 20%, and, and then we do Heart for the Harvest on top of that. I'm not asking you to do what Michelle and I do, but, but we immediately moved. Now, do we have our financial time? Sure we did. But did God provide everything we needed? I mean, listen, our, our son, Micah, got married like Friday night. I mean, if God does not provide miracles, I mean, come on, somebody help me in the house. And so, 
And so this is the question. Are you going to believe God and honor God and obey God by being faithful in, in your tithes and offerings? I just want to challenge you. Be faithful. We pray for you. Listen, we want so much more for you than we want from you. It's unbelievable. Man, we want abundance for this church. I believe God wants an abundance mindset on us that, that he's going to do in Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think or imagine. Amen? But we live in the Appalachia region where it's a poverty mindset. And so we think, you know, can we just get by? You know, I mean, you know, I don't, we have this sort of wine and, you know, poor pitiful me deal instead of believing the God of the Bible that God's going to provide for us. And so we, we need to be faithful. Amen? All right, let me pray for you, God. Father, uh, it is obvious that this church has matured in that there's no just real pushback. We talk about money. I'm so grateful. I, I remember the days when I could just feel the pushback, and people are growing. And God, would you help them grow in their faith to believe you? God, would you, as, as people step up levels of giving, would you bless them to just an astronomical level? So God, I ask you to move in every member, every core person, every attender, that, God, we would be exceedingly abundantly, not just financially, but in souls, that this year would be a hundredfold harvest in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, somebody give him some praise in the house. One of my favorite stories that Jesus told was about the farmer who went out to scatter seed. The Bible says that some seed fell on the good soil while other seed fell on the bad. The seed that fell on the good soil grew, but the seed that fell on the bad soil didn't. Without good soil, a plant's roots can't grow, and without roots, a plant will die. Ultimately, if our lives aren't rooted in Christ, we'll die too. Maybe not a physical death, but our inner self will wither away we'll wind up chasing whatever comes our way, the things we want and not what Christ wants. We have to root ourselves in who Christ is and what he did for us. We have to trust that God has a better way for us than anything that we could find for ourselves. If we set our roots deep, we grow stronger, like this tree here. So ask yourself, what kind of soil are your roots set in? What's feeding you? You know, Jesus came to show us a better way. Let's stay rooted in Him. Are we okay? All right. Last weekend, we talked about being rooted in prayer. This weekend, we want to talk about being rooted in Him, just like Farmer Matt. And by the way, when y'all see Matt, if you call him Farmer Matt, that would be so nice. And so, in every other chair, there is there are some lettuce seeds now, you know how people pick seeds? They go to the store. If it's a vegetable, they know what it want. They know what they want, and they buy okra or lettuce or tomato or potatoes or whatever. But if it's a, if it's a plant, they look on, the, they look on the, the packet and see what the full-grown plant looks like, and then they buy the seeds, and you guys take those seeds with you and plant those. But we look at what it looks like. So we're rooted in him. So what should we look like when we are fully grown? What should we look like? Him. We should look like Jesus. Because if we're Christ followers, then we ought to be rooted in him. 
as I read the book of Colossians, uh, as you all the way through, in him, in him, in him, in him. Matter of fact, in my other preaching Bible, that's how I put it right over to Colossians, in him. I sort of retitled the book because it's about in him. Now, if we're a Christ follower, should we be rooted in him? Excuse me. Our hearts, our homes, our finances, our service, our ministry, our, our free time, our worship time, everything ought to be rooted in him. The apostolic, the first church, had a saying. He is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And, and that's, how the, that's how the first church rolled. So if you've got your Bible, open up to Colossians chapter 1. And we are sort of taking a spiritual journey the spring and the first part of the summer through the book of Colossians. It's been quite a while since we walked through a book, and I'm going to be honest with you, this has been our prayer, that you get a holy hunger for more of the Word, that you would be drawn into the Word because you enjoy the Word. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to pick it up in verse 15, and what we're going to do is, as a matter of fact, I, I want to tell you, I, I love preaching the Word. But as I got to, as I outlined this book and the small group, and again, by the way, all the way through the series of Roots, you can go to our website and go to groups, and there are questions for your small group if you want to use them out of the passages that we're talking about. So those are for you. You can go to Faith Pro, you can go to the groups, and, and you can find those on our website. But as, I, as we dis- dissected this, and I looked at this, this is a passage that I actually sort of begin to back away from to preach, not because I don't believe it, not because it's not inerrant and fallible, but because it is so amazing that I said, Lord, man, I, Father, this is this off the chart. Because this talks about the supremacy of Jesus, the preeminence of Christ. And so let's pick it up in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You see in the in him, you see it just sort of growing? In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. So I want to pull three areas out of this passage of Scripture and show you the supremacy of Jesus. And so in my quiet time this week, I've said, Lord, help me to draw a picture of the magnitude, of the awe, of the mysterium tremendum, of the power and the glory and the might that is the resurrected Lord Jesus. So the first area let's look at is his supremacy in eternity. Now again, as Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, he was battling Gnosticism. And the Gnostics said Jesus is just another great spiritual teacher. There's nothing unique about him. He is just a way. He is not the way. And so Paul comes back and and really paints probably one of the most elegant pictures of him. So he is supreme in eternity. Now, no one has seen God the Father at any time, right? Because God the Father is spirit, and the Bible says no one has seen him. But guess what we have seen? Or the first century church had seen, seen, it had seen Jesus, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
the word image we get is the Greek word is icon. Does that sound like a word you know? Sure it is. We, the word, the, our word icon is derived from this Greek word, icon. And it means an image or representation. Or actually, it could be translated a picture. That Jesus is the image, the representation, or the picture of the character and the attributes of God the Father. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, talking about Jesus is of God the Father, and upholds all things by the word of his power. Exact representation of God means an impression that is made with a die, where, where they stamp like a coin or they stamp a seal into a, a wax to, to seal a letter. It is the, he, Jesus is the essence of God. He is the impression of God. He is the reflection of God. He is the icon of God. When we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. Amen? Because he's the image of God. He's the impression of God. He, he is the essence of all that God is. And he is our supreme example. Are we Christ followers? So therefore, he's our model. He is who we follow. He is who we look after. Now, we are created in the image of God, it says in Genesis. But we're marred by sin, aren't we? Jesus was not marred by sin. Let me tell you something else about Jesus that the Gnostics didn't get and the people today still don't get. Jesus was not created. He always has been and he always will be. He is worthy of first place in everything we are. Would you all agree with that? He is, in verse 15, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, firstborn doesn't mean he's God's oldest son. You know, we think of the firstborn child. This is not talking about a birth. Firstborn is talking about a rank, a position, a relationship. It's not talking about, well, he was the first one born because he was not born, as we're going to see in just a minute. Always has been, always will be, first place in the universe. And as first place of the universe, he ought to have first place in our lives, right? Now, the world says, well, Jesus was a great religious teacher. He was a great prophet. He was a great humanitarian. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He is the icon of God. He is exact representation of the nature of God. By his word, all things are held together. He, the glory of God is on him and in him. He told Philip, hey, Philip said, listen, listen, listen. If you'll just let us see the Father It'll be good enough. And Jesus said, Phil, have I been to you so long that you don't realize that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. For I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He wasn't born. He's not a good teacher that showed up in some Judean peasant little village and, and, and made a splash 2,000 years ago. No, that's, that's, not, that's not who he was. See, he's supreme. He is absolutely supreme in eternity. Number two, he's supreme in creation. Supreme. It says in verse, in verse 15 again, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, how many things were created? All things were created. Look at, look at both in heavens and on earth, 
visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, he wasn't created. He is the creator. So how can the creator be created? He's not. He's not. He is first, John 1, 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we, 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 have to, we have to get Jesus in his rightful position. He is the firstborn. He is, the, he is of the highest rank and of the highest order, and he deserves first priority. Would you all agree with that? Now, let me ask you a question. In the church in America today, is Jesus' first priority? Now, we would all agree with that, but we're going to work our way down in the next few minutes. <laughs> the question is this, is he first priority in your life? That's, that's what really hits the road. Because he is ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing, out of nothing, ex nihilo. He is the creator. He created the angels. He created everything that is visible that you see. He created the Smoky Mountains. He created all the, he created the oceans. He created the stars. He created the universe. But not only did he create what you can see, the Word of God says he created what you cannot see, whether visible or invisible. He created everything that is invisible. He created all the angels and the order and ranking of the angels. They all fall before him. They were all created in him because he is the alpha and the what? He is the A and the Z. He always has been. He always will be. And so it just seems to be logical that we would live completely for him. Doesn't it? Are y'all, doesn't it? But see, that's. That's not really, we, we get all caught up in everything else, don't we? We get caught up in athletics and academics. We get caught up in our work and our yard. We get caught up in weddings and funerals. We get caught up in all these things. But the Bible says one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those of us who have had the revelation, those of us who understood Jesus' position, those of us who have bowed our knee and confessed that Jesus Christ is not just the Lord, but is our Lord, we can bow now. We get to bow later, but we can bow now of our own free will. Jesus said, Mammy, pray that, that the will of the Father would be done, that your kingdom come. It, and I pray in our heart, in my heart, in my family, in, in our church, that, that, that his will would be done like it is in heaven. Now, it's illogical. Dr. Spock, then anyone who understands what I just said would live any other way than Jesus being absolute preeminent. Wouldn't, wouldn't, is that, does that make sense? It just doesn't, it, how, it's illogical to understand who he is, to understand what he's done, and then we don't make him, we don't make him ruler. Romans chapter 11, verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and forever. Romans 12, 1 says, To present your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. It's reasonable when you made Jesus Lord that every day you're a living sacrifice for him, that he's preeminent, priority, that he is first place. Does that make sense? 
See, we, we, we get it. Listen, when you get Jesus in the rightful place in your life, everything else begins to work itself out underneath it. It's just reasonable. It's in verse 17. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The King James Version says that he sustains all things, or he holds all things together. In the, in the, in the original language, that the tense of that is perfect. It means not that he did hold it together, not that he's going to hold it together, but he is every day holding it together. It is right now perfect tense. Again, go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And the whole book of Hebrews literally is about this. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. Now, we live right down the road from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where the atom bomb was made, where they split the atom. And, and you know, when they, when they were doing it, physicists did not know what would happen when they split the atom. Some thought it would be the end of the world. It would send a chain reaction. It would destroy the planet, all that kind of stuff. Nobody was really sure what it was going to do. And they were doing all these tests and all that kind of stuff. But if you talk to a physicist today, do you know that a physicist is not quite sure what holds an atom together? We know. Don't we? We, we, listen, we dumb Christians. We Bible believers. You don't even have to, have to you don't even have to graduate high school. Graduate. And you can know right there, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus holds it all together. He holds the atom together. He holds us together. It is a stunning revelation. I want to challenge you to spend some time this week meditating. I know we're all walking through the Bible together in our Bible reading plan, but I want to challenge you to take a few minutes and just cogitate, meditate. You know what meditate is, don't you? It's focused thinking, but it's sort of like a cow. You know, a cow has four stomachs, and it chews and it swallows, then throws up, chews some more. It's called a cud. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You city people don't understand, do you? Chews a cud, throws it back up. So this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to chew the cud on Colossians. Chew it a little bit, throw it back up. Just right here in this passage, just dive in there. He's boy, he holds all things together. Stunning. So with that in mind, would you, do y'all believe what I said so far? Y'all sure? then shouldn't Jesus dominate our thinking? You go on another couple chapters in Colossians, and we'll talk about it in another few weeks. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things below. But in reality, if there's 24 hours in a day, let's say you sleep eight. I think that leaves 16. However me that leaves. Remember I said last week I'm not a mathematician. But of the hours it leaves, you're awake. 16, thank you. Somebody help me here. It's bad. And so, think about that. How much of those 16 hours is Jesus at all a part of your thinking? Now, let me tell you what you think about. You you think about, you, you talk about what you think about, and you think about what you love. So is it hard to get a fisherman and talk about fishing? Huh? 
Is it hard to get a mama or papa talking about their grandkids? Is it hard to get a woman talking about a shopping and a deal at Walmart? No. Is it hard to get me talking about a restaurant? No, because I believe God is there, and so I go to those. So, so of, what, of what portion of your thinking is dominated by Jesus? Because he holds all things together. He is the first place from preeminent. read a story about a, a South American company that bought sort of a complex printing machine from America, and they got it, and they assembled it. It wouldn't work. Couldn't get it, couldn't get it working. So they called the, they called the American company and said, hey, you got to send a tech down here to fix this machine. So a couple days later, I pumped this tech, got off the plane. They picked him up, and they're already mad because he's just barely 20 years old, young adult. So, they, man, they email, send somebody older who knows how to fix this. And the one sentence reply came back said, he built the machine, he can fix the machine. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jesus built us, and Jesus can fix us. Man, come on. Y'all feel that? Come on, give him some praise. Amen. I don't care what you're facing, stronghold, issue, your marriage, your money, your health. It just doesn't matter what you're facing. Our God can fix it because he built it. In verse 2 and 3, chapter 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, attaining to all wealth that comes from a full assurance and understanding that results in a true knowledge of God's mystery. See, the peace and all this comes when we have this revelation of God's mystery. And what is that? Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he's supreme in eternity, supreme in creation. Let me tell you one more area that Jesus is supreme, and that is the church. He's supreme in the church. Hey, it's not my church. We say our church all the time, right? We say it, I say it, we all say it. There's no, but we know whose church is it? says in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. He himself is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in what? Everything. He's supposed to be first in everything. Now, if we cut your arm off, can you live? If we cut your foot off, can you live? If we cut your leg off, can, we, can you live? If we cut your head off, are you going to live? No, see, the body is totally dependent on the head. And the church is totally dependent upon the head, which is Jesus. Now, again, he calls him, he says, firstborn from the dead. And listen, Jesus is not the first person that was resurrected from the dead. Lazarus was. Prophets were in the Old Testament. That's not what it's saying. It's saying he's the firstborn. He is the first position of rank and order in creation. He's the first position because he's the creator. The creator entered the, entered the creation, which was the world, and he showed us how to love. He showed us how to sacrifice. He showed us how to care for each other. He showed us to put others first. He showed us how we're to walk in this hellbound world that is so narcissistic and self-absorbed. It said, in the last day, there'll be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, haters of God, haters of authority, haters of parents. We're living in the last days. As America entertains itself to death, we, not, there's not that there's, I'm not saying you shouldn't, there's no, something wrong with entertainment. But listen, Jesus needs to have first place in everything. So let me ask you a question. 
you're listening, Sam, is Jesus worthy to be rooted in? See, because sometimes we're rooted in stuff, but we've not made a deliberate decision. It happens by default. We're rooted in sports, rooted in success, rooted in athletics. We're rooted in all these things. You've got to make a deliberate decision that you are going to root yourself deeply in the Word of God and the Son of God and the kingdom of God. You've got to make a decision because once you do that, the world is going this way and you're going opposite. It's hard to go upstream, isn't it? I mean, people say, hey, why do you serve? Why do you go to that church every week, man? How much church do you need? All that stuff because we're going different, a different way. When you make Jesus' priority preeminent, number one, you are different. Now, can we agree that there's probably a couple thousand people with us this weekend that Jesus is not preeminent? Would y'all believe that? Let me tell you something about the Lord all the way through this book. I've read it. Jesus will not force first place upon you. First place is, what, is where you give Jesus. It's where, you, it's where you place him in your heart. See, he can be present and not be preeminent. Does that make sense? He can be present in your life but not preeminent. He can be resident, but he is not president. He can be prominent, but not preeminent. He can be important, but not priority. See, if he is preeminent, are you ready for this? Are you ready? If Jesus is preeminent, then you will love him more than anything else in your life. He said, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. You've, it, matter of fact, it more than your, your parents, more than your spouse, more than your kids, more than your money, more than anything else, he's number one. Is that what the Bible teaches? Now, see, if Jesus is preeminent, then that's not difficult. Because if you put make Jesus preeminent, you'll have so much more love than to shed on the other people in your life because it flows through. And so, it, now, so if you're preeminent, you love him first. Guess what else? If, you're pre, if Jesus is preeminent, you're going to obey him. Amen? He said, if you love me, if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. He also said, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. He, and, and, uh, let me give you one more thing. If he, Jesus is preeminent in your life, we know he's preeminent in the universe, but if he's preeminent in your life, then you will have no trouble surrendering to the will of God. Does that make sense? First place. First priority. So let me ask you a question. Is Jesus first place in you? Every campus right now, every single campus, everybody. I know it's a holiday weekend. You're going to cook hot dogs and have a great time. But right now, is Jesus preeminent? Because only you can exalt him. In my quiet time, this is what I do. I will get on my knee and I'll say this, Lord Jesus, I exalt you in this vessel to the position of lordship. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all, the old hymn says. And so I tell him, you own me, lock, stock, and barrel, tax, tithe, and license. I surrender to your will, to your word, and to your way every day. Take your place as Lord in this life. Because something will be Lord of your heart, won't it? I choose to make Jesus my Lord. Now, with every head bow, let me ask you. You're, I'm talking to believers right now. He's, he's resident, but he's not president. Would you just right now invite Jesus? Right now, you don't have to pray it out loud. Invite Jesus to take 
the place of your heart and your mind to take the position of absolute Lord. Just right now, go ahead and tell him. And Father, we ask you to teach us to surrender. We ask you to show us how to walk in holiness and purity. We, 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 we want to make you preeminent when the world wants to ascend, when our flesh wants to ascend to lordship in our lives. God, we ask you to help us walk in victory. And that victory is surrender to you. And so, Lord, we give you our lives. We give you our families, our dreams. We give you our finances, our future. Because we know, God, if we will follow your will, it will be the best plan that we could ever walk. Help us walk it in Jesus' name. Now, there are some of you who've not yet entered into a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about making him Lord. Some of you have got no, he's not resident, he's not president, he's not in your heart, it's just you. But if you're ready to say, I want Jesus, then I want to lead you in what we call a confessional prayer. So with every head bowed and eye closed, every campus, campus pastors would make their way down front. Faith Promise, let's pray this prayer with folks. Just pray this out loud, say, Dear Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Take over my life. I give it to you. You died for me. Now I live for you. Take over everything. Have first place. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Isn't God good? Give him some praise, church. Man. So if you, if you pray that prayer with me, I'm talking about the folks that, that gave their heart to Jesus. Take the card that's in front of you. Fill it out. There'll be somebody down there to pray with you. Or you can put in the offering boxes on your way out. Uh, maybe you need to sign up for Next Step or small group or a place to serve. You can, uh, you can put it out there. Uh, man, we love you. Listen, can we make this summer the greatest summer we've ever had? Can we be faithful financially and in attendance? Hey, if you're gone on vacation, we hope you can go. Get on the Internet campus. Take faith. Listen, if we can have faith promise in Afghanistan, on a Huey, baby, you can take him to the beach. Amen? So come on, man. Let's do it. By the way, just and we're we uh, internet campus. You guys can go to chat room if you'll click that. We're man, we're thrilled you're with us. All the other campuses are off. I got a a, a, a very my dad is in the where, where are you at? My dad's in the service somewhere. I know you're in here. Where are you at? Somebody help me spot him. I'm blind. Where? Right there's my dad. Welcome, dad and stepmom to service. Amen. My cousin Sandra hadn't seen in years, and her girls, we had a lot of folks in for the wedding. It's been great. Hey, a lot of you guys helped that. We are so grateful. Listen, have a great and safe Memorial Day. Be back next weekend as we continue in Colossians. We love you. Be blessed.